All right, so week six of Why Jesus. You could probably turn this down just a tad because if I decide to get loud, it's really going to get loud. But, yeah, what? All right, week six of Why Jesus. See, we've covered a lot of questions about why Jesus. We've covered origin questions. We've covered morale questions. We've covered, I mean, just a, a plethora of questions, and we're almost done. Although we could keep going through the end of the year because I don't think we could ever, ever sufficiently answer why we choose Jesus, right? I mean, Jesus is the answer to all the questions. I made the statement in week one that you don't have to know the answer to all the questions. You just have to know the answer to the question, right? And Jesus is the answer to all questions. He just is. He's the beginning and the end. He's the middle. He's the alpha and the omega. He is the creator and since he is that, he's all-knowing, all all-knowledge, omniscient, omniscient, omnipotent, can't say that word, omnipresent. I mean, he is everywhere, and he is the answer to everything. But here's the question, I think, today's question, power. And let's be honest about it. We're all searching for some sort of power. Some struggle of power exists in your life or has existed in your life. Maybe you figured it out and you're not worried about it anymore. But we all look for power. Married couples, when you first get married, there's a power struggle because you take two adults and you put them in a marriage where they become one, right? And it's like, I'm going to be the boss. You're going to be the boss. We're going to be the boss. No, you can't be. I can't be. Who's going to be? So it's just the power struggle. It reminds me of a guy that I, I knew whenever I lived in Chicago uh, he made about $300,000 a year. And now this was back 20 years ago. I mean, he was making really good money. And he had a corner office two stories from the top of the Chicago Tower. I mean, he was doing well. He was 25 years old. He was doing extremely well for himself. It seemed like everything he had, he wanted. Drove a nice car had a beautiful wife, had two little kids, lived in one of the nicest suburbs of Chicago. Yet out of his mouth, he told me one day that, hey, when I'm at work, people jump to do what I say. But when I'm at home, my life is falling apart. So what's the key to that? I mean, how do we figure out what the key is? You may be successful in your career. Maybe you're retired. And you were successful in your career, yet life seems to be falling apart for you. Or it doesn't seem to matter what you do, it's never good enough. You never get to where you think, and that's the biggest problem, right? We just think too much. Where you think you're supposed to be. Because you're trying to plug into a power source that isn't there, right? There's one power source. We all know it if you're sitting here and if, if you would say something else, I would be surprised in this crowd. But we all know that Jesus is the power source. But who needs power? Who needs it? Every person who's walked the earth. You realize every person needs power. The people who don't, who, who don't know Jesus get their power from Jesus. They just don't realize it. Right? He sustains you, the very breath in your body, he's given you today. He's sustaining you today, and your power supply comes from him. Right? Your normal power, your walking around power. But the problem is we get involved in situations in life 
we feel powerless, right? Whether it's your marriage, whether it's your job, whether it's some sort of relationship, we feel powerless because we don't think we have control of that situation. We're not the one dictating how it works. We're not doing something. So we begin to feel powerless and we think, well, we need more power, right? We need to be, we need to be looked upon. We need to be feared. We need to be fill in the adjective that you want respected, directed, I, I don't know, whatever the adjective is that plugs into your brain whenever you say, hey, I'm in control or I have power when, fill it in. See, God is all-powerful. We understand that, right? He is all-powerful, and yet he is a power-sharing God. He's not the God of the Koran. He's not the God who says, I'm the mighty one and you have nothing. You're just a bunch of ants. He's not God like that. He's God that says, I have all power. I created everything. But Kelly, I want to share it with you. And there was one instance in all of history that changed how history will forever be written, right? When Jesus Christ came to the earth, born as a baby, he changed everything. He separated everything, right? B.C. and A.D. began because he separated it. I'll just kill that TV because I'm not going to let them watch uh, Frozen. Bear with me a second. Oh. No, I mean, I could turn it off. I'm just going to try to fix it. All right. We got three other TVs that you can see. You should be able to be okay with one of them, right? So, God changed all of history when he, when he came born as a baby, in a manger, as a servant. He changed everything. He's the all-powerful God. But he came with the, the expressed intent of wanting to share that power. He said, hey, I want to share my power with you, and here's how I'm going to do it. I'm going to restore you back to me. So that you can become part of my family so that I can share power with you. Because it wouldn't be fair for someone to share power with you if you weren't part of their family. Right? Is that fair? I mean, the Queen of England shares power with the royal family. She doesn't share it with you. It doesn't matter who you think you are. She only shares it with them. So our Bible verse this morning, simply just one verse. And I know, Ronnie, I'm jumping all over the place. I apologize. Uh, not really, but uh, for God has not given us a spirit of fear. I wish that most people would understand that. Right? I mean, the world starts crumbling around you and you start getting scared. You know, and all that is the devil doing everything he can to jack your life up. And let me real quick, this isn't part of the sermon, but I think someone needs to hear it. Real quick, let me tell you that you're not going through anything at all if you're God's child that God hasn't first determined that you can go through. He's got a plan in your life. He's going to use you to glorify him one way or the other. You're either going to do it here or you're going to do it there. But God's not letting you go through something without him right there next to you. Amen. He's not giving you the spirit of fear, Paul tells us, but one of power, love, and sound judgment. Power, love, and sound judgment. 
It's funny, I, I preached at the kids' chapel this week, and I, I shared the, almost the exact same message that I shared here last Sunday about love and silence. And you know what? Kids all week, Wednesday, Thursday when I saw them, kept coming up to me and saying, hey, preacher, you know, I'm learning how to be silent. I'm learning how to love people. You know what? God's given us power, but it's not to be a dictator. Because our power is to be balanced with love and sound judgment. But you can't use your power out of fear either, which is what most people do. Most people try to use their power out of fear because they're afraid someone else is going to get above them. They're afraid someone else might be more successful than them. So it's all about keeping them under the thumb, right? It's all about trying to make sure that they don't get bigger or better or whatever. Wouldn't it be great? Here, here's my prayer. My prayer is not just for my boys. My prayer is for other young men that they would raise up to be greater preachers than I am. That's my prayer. Now, I'm not ready to pass the baton, so to speak, right now. But I want them to grow up and be better than I am. I want them to grow up and be a better dad than I am. I want them to grow up and be a better husband than I am. We should want our employees to be better than we, we are. We should want our wife to excel better than we do. We should want our children to be better than we are. Why? Because, hey, that is power when we can take it and give it away to somebody and let them do it. That's what God's done to you. He gave you the power to choose whether or not you want to choose to be his child or not. He's given you the power to do things. Here's the biggest thing I find in, in the church, whether you're in this building, you're in another building, if you're in the church, you don't know how to plug in. Teslas. Anyone got a Tesla in here? You ain't got a Tesla. You ain't even got a T for a Tesla. No one, no one got a Tesla. Teslas are electric cars, right? And... So there, there's a young lady at Jacob's Barbershop who has a Tesla. And Nicole has a Tesla. And I can remember we teased her and tossed her about it. And they're probably still giving it to her. But it was when you get this car, you got to plug it in to power. Now, you just don't get to show up and plug it into any power you want. Right? They've got converters and inverters and diverters and all the other verters to make sure that when you plug this car in that it charges your batteries. It does what it's supposed to do. But you know what? Have you ever taken and plugged a lamp in to a light, to a light socket? You plugged it in and you turned the lamp on. It didn't work. You changed the light bulb. It didn't work. What was the problem? There's no power going to the plug. Right? Most Christians' problems... Or they think they plugged in somewhere, but there ain't no power going to that plug. They've bit into stuff. They've grabbed a hold of stuff that is not real. They've heard someone say, well, this, this, and this. And they just jump on it and think, hey, that's it. Life begins to fall apart and they don't know how to deal with it. All of a sudden, Jesus wasn't real anymore. Let me tell you, whether I'm going through good stuff or bad stuff, Jesus is just as real. Amen. I just got to know how to plug in. If I'm not plugging in properly, then I got a bad connection. So we got a lift station. We have two lift stations on the property. We have one right out here that controls the bathrooms and the uh, kitchen water, everything right here. And then we have a lift station at the very end of this building that controls the bathrooms and the uh, everything down in the children's building where our apartment is. 
and the bathroom's down there. And you know what? That lift station has no power, which means we got no bathrooms, right? But so we were out there trying to what was wrong with it. And John and I, we were out there trying to, you know, like we know what we're doing. We looked smart, Ben. We had gloves on. We looked smart. And we're, so we, John's grabbing this wire, and he's like, well, let's check this. He pulls this wire up. And there's nothing on the end of it. And it's the wire that's supposed to be plugged into the pump. So the pump don't work because it ain't got no power. And I'll leave the rest of it to your imagination. But you see, everything takes power, and it's got to be plugged into the proper power source. You as Christians take power. But if you don't know how to plug into that power, you're walking around blind days. You got saved, and you're just waiting to get to heaven. You ever, you ever known a Christian like that? Everyone raise their hand. Do this. Stick one finger up. Turn the one finger and do this. That's you. Right? Every one of us do that. Every one of us get into a situation and all of a sudden the fear factor comes and the power factor leaves because we don't understand how to plug in to the power that God has given us. Now, I'm here to tell you real quick, words matter. I believe that, but it's not name it and claim it. God is not your genie in a bottle. Okay? He's not. You're not going to take him out, rub him, get, say what you want, get it, put him back. That's not it. Okay? God is the ultimate authority. He's the ultimate power, but he's given you some power. He's, and he's told us how to plug into it. So here we go. We're gonna get, I'm going to give you five ways to make sure you're plugged into the power. And they're going to be quick because my wife said, you know, it doesn't matter how much you talk. You don't ever get done until after 12. We're going to do it today. Ready? A, admit that you need God's power. I mean, just admit that you can't do it on your own. Admit that you're not strong enough to endure this all by yourself, that you're never going to make it on your own. 2 Corinthians 12 and verse 9. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in weakness. Therefore, I will most gladly boast all the more about my weakness so that Christ's power may reside in me. When you are weak, he is strongest in your life, but you have to admit that you need him. Listen, I don't care if you were Billy Graham. God does not need you. He desires to have a relationship with you, but he doesn't need you. He created the world just fine without you. He didn't ask for your input. He figured out where to put your fingers on your hand without your advice. He's got it, but you need him, Amen. right? Brother Alex, you needed him, didn't you? God walked right with Alex and Brenda through this whole thing, and he would just give me an update. And Brenda's traveling the country without Alex. I mean, come on now. Brenda's got something going. Amen. You can't go without Norm, sorry. <laughs> no. See? No. <laughs> I can do a lot, but I can't do that. <laughs> so listen, it's, we have to recognize the fact that we need him. Now let me, real quick, let me just say, 
Oftentimes, when we have something bad happen, we need God. But when things are going good, we act like we don't need him anymore. You need God all the time. And if all you're doing is plugging in when things are bad, your battery's not going to make it the whole time. Do you hear me? Because the devil's going to trip you up, and you're not going to make it back to the outlet to plug in again. Cell phones, everyone got a cell phone pretty much, I think. If you ain't got a cell phone, it's because you're back in the barbarian times, right? Cell phones, I can remember when they very first came out. Ben, you remember that? My kids are like, they came out? Yeah, at some point they really did start. But I remember that you used to charge them, but they would tell you, wait until your battery is almost completely dead before you charge it. Because if you don't, you'll wear your battery out, and then it'll never hold a full charge. Christians, hear me. That's what you're doing whenever you're just plugging in when things are bad. You're just plugging in, and eventually your battery's going to wear out. And you know what happens? You end up being one of those that we talk about that are out of the church for 40, 50, 60 years because you thought God couldn't do what he told you he could do. Because you ran into something and you weren't, charged, you weren't plugged in. You didn't know how to plug in anymore. You had forgotten you quit admitting that you needed God's help to get you through things. You need God every second of the day. We as Christians should know that. You're relying on the government to solve your problems because they're not going to. Okay? Quit, rely, quit relying on your spouse to solve your problem because they're not going to. See, most of us got problems that start in us before it ever gets to our spouse. If we'd fix our problem, God could fix them. The problem is we're too busy trying to fix their problem and not worrying about ours. Okay? Admit that you need God's power, number one, when you're to plug in. B, affirm God's presence. Affirm God's presence. First Chronicles 16, 11 through 12. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face always. Rememberest the one, remember the wondrous works he has done, his wonders and the judgments he has pronounced. Seek him always. Always. Anyone been to the doctor this week? I knew Norm and Cindy were going to raise their hand. Norm lives at the doctor. He's buying the doctor a new Mercedes. And maybe a West Palm Beach house, I don't know. But, and a Tesla. See, there are people that remember that they need God always because they're at the doctor constantly. Right? But I know this about Cindy. I know this about Norm too, but more about Cindy. I've spent more time with Cindy than I have Norm. Cindy's relying on God's presence always. Good, bad, and ugly. Because, you know what? There was a time in her life that she didn't. And she remembers that time. So now without him, it seems hollow. See, again, I believe our problem is Christians. Hear me, our problem is Christians. Is we forget too quickly where we came from. So it's very easy not to rely on his presence as we start going. We think that we've attained. We our ticket punched. We're no longer going to hell. We're going to heaven. 
And you may be going to heaven, but, man, you're going to get to heaven, and you're, all you're going to do is, like, sit around and be like, man, I wish I had more rewards to throw around, throw at his feet. Because you squandered your time here by forgetting about his presence. God, you can live in his presence 24 hours a day. You, you can. You can live in his presence all the time if you'll just stop and remember what it was like before you didn't have him. See, align with God's will. Now, I'm talking about plugging into the power, right? So, you got to admit you need him. You got to acknowledge his presence. But thirdly, you got to get on the same boat that he's on. Like everyone says, hey, I want to do God's will, but I want to do it my way. That's not God's way. See, God's the boss. You're not. Align with God's will, John 15 and verse 5. I am the vine. You are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. He's the vine. You're the branch. You know what happens? You can cut a branch off and the vine does just fine. But if you cut the vine off, all the branches die. See, Align with what Jesus is doing. I'm all for new ministries. I'm all for new churches. But our problem is we've got churches struggling. We've got ministries struggling. And people want to go birth something new. Do you know why? Because it's a whole lot easier to give birth than it is to resurrect the dead. But you know what? Jesus is the vine. If he's planted something, hey, it's going to live again. It may take some, some toil in the soil, but it's going to live again. I'm not a farmer. I don't pretend to be a farmer. I don't like vegetables, so if I had to farm that way, I'd be in trouble anyways. But I know, I, I know enough about farming that you've got to till up the soil. There's some weeding that has to happen. There's some, depending on what part of the country you're in, it could be hard to till it up, right? If you get up north of the Mason-Dixon line, you've got rocks in the soil. If you get south of the Mason-Dixon line, you ain't got no soil, so you, you got to do something, right? There's some work that goes into it. Why do we think that when we become Christians, when we decide to follow Christ, all the work is done? Well, boo-hoo, it's not going my way. You ain't done nothing. Well, I don't have the job that I hope for or I want. But you ain't doing nothing to go get the job. Well, this ministry is not going well. The church isn't going well. But what are you doing to help it? Well, I come on Sundays. Did you know there are seven days in a week? See, you have to align with his will. You have to align with his plan to be plugged into the power. You can have one and two. And if you're not doing number three, you're still not plugged in the way you need to be. You got to get on board. Miss Laura used to always sing that song, uh, get on the bus, God's on the move. Get on the bus, God's on the move. You got to get on the bus. You got to get in the boat. I don't like to fish, and I definitely ain't going fishing with Garth. But I know that if I go fishing with Garth, I'm going to go swimming, but I'm going to have a life jacket, right? 
but I got to be in the boat to go wherever he's going. If I get in the boat and then decide out there in the middle of the bay to get out of the boat, guess what? I'm not going with Garth no more. And you know what? That's That's what some of us have decided to do with God. We said, God, I want in. God, I trust you. I believe in you. I know that Jesus died for me. I want in. We get in. We rocking on, right? Things are going good, and all of a sudden, we think we're smarter. And we're going to jump off the boat. And we get over here, and we're drowning. Then we want to blame God because we were the idiot that jumped off the boat. Well, things aren't going like they should because we got off the boat. Guys, Bayshore's here for one reason and one reason only. Hear me and hear me well. One reason and one reason only. To reach the lost for Jesus Christ. Everything we do is for that purpose. Does that mean that I don't want to see you grow if you're a follower of Christ? No, I want to see you grow. But you're growing with the extent purpose to reach the lost for Jesus Christ. That's why you're here. If you, had, if you had any other purpose on this earth besides reaching lost people for Jesus Christ, God would have taken you right away. But his Bible says, it's by the foolishness of preaching that people will be saved. He tells you to go out and find them. Go out and compel them. Put them in a headlock and drag them in. That's God's plan. It's nothing else. That is his plan. Paul spent time in jail. Why? Because he was sharing the gospel with lost people. And you know what? My wife was sharing a, a Sunday school kid with, a Sunday school lesson with the kids this morning uh, in my office. And as she was talking about it, it was Paul in jail. And I just began to think of those two guys that were shackled up next to Paul, right? Because they had guards chained with him. Can you imagine how many times those guys got saved? I mean, because, man, he was on them. He was on, hey, did you know, da, 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 da. hey, did you know, da, 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 da. gift change, here come the next two dummies. Listen, how many people you shared Jesus with this week? How many people have you shared Jesus with this week? Because that's your purpose in life. That's how you're going to glorify God. You, you become discipled, why? So you can share Jesus. You learn more about the Bible, why? So you can share Jesus. It's not so you can go tell them that there's 1,182 chapters of the Bible because they don't care. They don't care. Well, the Bible says you shouldn't. Guess what? They don't care about that either. You know what they care about? They care about whether or not you love them. And after you love them, then they're going to hear what you have to say. Because rules before relationship always breed rebellion. But once you start loving them, man, they want to hear about your rules. They want to hear about what you're doing. They want to hear about this. They want to know about that. Well, that's not biblical. It's how the Bible was written. Look at it. Look at it. God created a relationship with Adam and Eve. After he had the relationship, then he gave them the rule. Don't eat of that tree. They jacked it up. What did Jesus do? Jesus came and he loved them right where they were. 
hey, sin no more. Hey, you know, I know you, you don't have one husband. You've had five. And the guy that you're shacked up with now, you're not even married to him. But you know what? I want you to know that I love you. And you need to go and not live that way anymore. She run back to town. Hey, come meet the guy who told me everything I've ever done. That's not what Jesus did. He just told her five things that she'd ever done. How? He loved her first. That's God's plan, guys. You want to know, align with God's will? God's will is to love people. It's not to condone people. It's to love people. Love them right where they're at. Quit trying to change them. Quit trying to make them something that they're not. D, ask God for his power. You have not because you. James 4.2. You desire and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and wage war. You do not have because you do not ask. You don't have it because you don't ask for it. Plain and simple. Now, sometimes you don't get it even though you ask for it. You say, well, that's not, that's contradictory. No, he's a loving father. What father is going to give them a snake, give their child a snake that's going to bite them? Nobody. But you know what? We may give him a bike. We may give him a skateboard with helmets and knee pads and elbow pads and a mattress tied on their back. They're not, God's not going to give you something he knows is going to destroy you. Now, real quick, some of us have averted what God was trying to give us and went and got what we wanted anyways, and it almost destroyed us. God's desire is to see you flourish. Tom, God didn't give me a million dollars because he knew if I had it, I'd destroy myself. I've asked for it. But he didn't give it to me. He didn't give me a Corvette yet either. Why? Because they don't have the 2020s on the market yet. It's coming. Just wait. Listen, God gives you what he knows you need. And then sometimes he'll even throw a want in there. But he doesn't give you something that you're going to kill yourself with. He's just not. He's not going to give you something you're going to hurt yourself or hurt him with. But sometimes, make no mistake about it, we avert that and we go and try to get it anyways. E or number five, which way, whichever way you're numbering, act out of obedience. I wish I'd brought an umbrella in because it's the best illustration I've ever, I've ever come up with. Act out of obedience. We want to be plugged into power. We want God to bless us. But what we do is we take this umbrella and we raise it above our head. And an umbrella does what? It blocks the rain from hitting you in the head. It doesn't block the rain from everything. It just really keeps you from getting soaked on the top half. And we do that. We raise this umbrella up between you and God. When we have sin in our life and we understand, we don't understand why God's not blessing us anymore. Because you've put something between you and him. See, you have to act out of obedience. 
You have to take that out and move it. Tom and I were talking briefly this morning and just about how people's stories change back and forth, back and forth, and it's always something different, and they're lying. They can't keep up with it, so they, the next time they talk to you, it's a different story, and they don't even know that they told you four other stories. Sometimes we try to do that with God. Hebrews 11 and verse 6. I don't know who you think wrote Hebrews. I don't, I'm not sure either. But I know who dictated it, God. And he said this, now, faith without, now, now without faith it is impossible to please God since the one who draws near to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. I have to act in faith in obedience. God told me to go into all the world and find people that need him. Did you know he doesn't say drag them into a, a building that you've decided to call the church? He said, go out and find them. Teach them. Preach to them. Baptize them. Teach them how to do the same thing that you've just done and send them out. And when we're not doing that, we're not obedient to God. And when you're not obedient to God, you can't expect God to bless you. And believe it or not, guys, I believe in my, in my humble opinion, it takes all five of these things working all the time to be plugged in properly. I'm not an electrician, but Alex is, or used to be. <laughs> Alex has been here before help, trying to help us figure out our exit signs went out one time, and we couldn't figure out what was wrong with it. And so Alex went to all the different wires. He was checking each wire right, to make sure that there was power or something because it was important that each wire be connected to fill the circuit so that there would be power that went to that light. Alex didn't know what he was doing. We had to call a real electrician in, and they fixed it for us. I, he told the young kid that came what was wrong. But nonetheless, it took all the different wires and plugs and all this other stuff to complete a circuit so that it would get power. Did you catch that? I gave you five things for your life. And it's going to take all five things to complete your circuit so that you'll have the power that you need. We think that we can just stumble through this life and everything's going to be hunky-dory. Jesus had all power, yet he set it aside for you and me. So do you have the power that God wants to share with you? Just simply. Maybe you're here today and you don't even know who Jesus is. You've heard about Jesus, but you really don't know him. See, you can be like the demons and they tremble but they don't believe. They don't, they don't know who he really is. They're not willing to change their life for him. Maybe you followed a bunch of rules, but you've got no relationship. You've never trusted Jesus Christ. Stop. You've never trusted Jesus 
to be your Lord and Savior. You've never just said, you know what, God? I can't do this. And maybe you're all the way back. At, number one, you don't even know how to plug in because you've never really admitted that you needed God. Maybe that's you today, and you say, preacher, I just need God. Plugging in, I, I don't even understand. I just know that there's something missing in my life, and I need to find it. Maybe that's you today. And let me just say, if that's you, I understand where you're at. I was there. And God wants to love you. God wants to bring you into his family. But you know what? He'll stand there and wait for you to make that decision to come to him. Maybe you're here today and you say, I am part of God's family. I, I've, walked, I've walked the aisle. I've said a prayer. I, I really meant it. I just know that I'm not plugged in the way I need to be. And I want to fix that. I just want you to pray for me that I'll be plugged in the way God wants me plugged in. I want to serve where he wants me to serve. I want to get on the bus, the boat. I didn't say no plane, though. Bus or boat. I just want to get in. I'm tired of sitting on the sidelines. See, in God's game, it's not 11 on 11 or 5 on 5, 9 on 9. God, not worry. he's not worried about numbers. He just wants you in. He'll find a position for you to play. You just say, coach, put me in. I want in the game. I'm tired of sitting on the sidelines watching. So I, I want to pray for all of you, and I want to just say that if you're one of those people, then I'm going to stand up here after the end, and I promise if you come walking up, if I'm talking to someone else, and if it's not really important, I'll push them out of the way, and I'll talk to you. Okay? But I, I just want to pray that you would get plugged in wherever God wants you. I want to pray that if you don't, know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, there's nothing more important. There's nothing more important than trusting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. All right, let me pray for you. Father God, we thank you for this day. God, we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, and that he came and left his home in heaven, Father, with the desire, the willingness to want to share his power with us. God, he came so that we could get plugged in. Father, so that we could experience a relationship he has. So, Father, we pray for those tonight or today, Father, who, who don't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. They've never trusted him. I'm not talking about, Father, walking an aisle, being baptized, because I understand that if you do that and you don't trust him, Father, all that's doing is getting wet. So, God, we're talking about truly trusting him, truly having a relationship with Jesus Christ. God, I pray that you would let the people leave this property, God, until they do that. Father, I pray for your family, God, that we would get plugged in and serve right where you want us. God, that we would be tired of sitting on the sidelines, watching the devil make a mockery out of you, out of us. Father, while he runs about, and God, we're just too fearful to want to do anything. God, I pray that we could remember our verse today in Timothy, that you've not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and sound judgment. One, Father, that you have told us to go out and compel them, to bring them to you, to 
Show them that Jesus really is a Savior. And Father, I pray that we would remember that love is not an emotion. God, that love is an action. And Father, you've called us to action today. God, there's no reason for us to wait till tomorrow. Let's do today what we can do today. God, put people on our path as we leave this building and we go out into the mission field. Father, put people on our path that we can share Jesus with. Put people on our path, Father, that need to have a relationship with you. Father, people who need to get back on the bus. God, allow us to be that love. Allow us to be your hands and your feet as we go about our day today. And again, we love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name.